Welcome to Make Your Marketing. I'm your host, Pia Larson, Chief Imagination Officer here at Fingerprint Marketing. Just like other small business owners, I had to learn how to navigate marketing and found there was no such thing as an automatic when it comes to driving your business. You need to know how to shift. That said, there's no reason to stall or come to a stop. With the right guide, you can be in the driver's seat and lapping your competition in no time. Welcome to the Make Your Marketing Podcast. I'm Pia Larson, your host. And today I'm super excited because I'm reconnecting with an old cohort that I used to follow a lot and still do from many years ago, Mara Glazer. Did I have that name correct? You're close. Mara Glazer. Mara. I knew I was going to mess it up. (laughs) Mara. That's okay. So Mara is a stellar copywriter. She's been named one of the top copywriters in the nation, and she has a great team. And today, I thought we would chat about conversion copy, meaning client attraction copy on your website, emails in general for your brand that makes people go, okay, I got to work with this person. So let's get started. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and be on your show and share with your audience today. So for our audience who may not know who you are, they're probably living under a rock. But anyway, can you give us just a short backstory? I know your your dad was your mentor and he got you started, but you've been through some transition more recently, right? Into starting your own business and growing a team. Can you tell us a little bit about the backstory? Yeah, so I'm very lucky that I was able to work for my father. His name's Bill Glazer at the company. He founded Glazer Kennedy Insider Circle with Dan Kennedy. And he trained me in copywriting for about three or so years. And I'm so fortunate that I was able to learn from someone who's considered to be a copywriting legend how to do it hands-on. And, you know, my father went on to sell the business in 2011. And so I had the opportunity to go out on my own. And um, for I'm actually celebrating like my 10 year anniversary in business this year, which is really awesome. I've been the behind the scenes business strategist, copywriter, ghostwriter for many of the most recognizable influencers, coaches, consultants, experts. And also we've really um, been able to work on some really cool projects around e-commerce and write for some items that have been on Shark Tank and stuff like that. Wow. And so um, that's exactly what I do with my team of writers who work with me at Direct Response Copy Girl. And to think that in high school, your English teacher said you had no future. (laughs) Yeah. We always seem to have a teacher like that, that has no faith, right? And then we like grow up to prove them wrong. Yeah, my English writing teacher told me I did not have the skills that I needed to be successful. So I should leave and go find another school. I did. I actually did leave and go find another school. And um, it always kind of cracks me up. But what I like about that is like, if I could do it, right? Right. Like this high school reject, I guess we could say. (laughs) 
learned to become the world's best female direct response copywriter, as people call me, then if I could do it, you can also do it too, if you want to, you know, yeah, you can also decide to hire it out. But I think it's really important for business owners to know what good copy is, even if they do hire it out. So they know if they're getting good material to work with. Absolutely. And that's, that's the first question I have for you is where does the tone and the voice of the business come from? How do you help uh, businesses and coaches and consultants craft that? Because that's our unique special sauce, right? It's how we talk to our clients. Yeah. So there's a couple ways that we do that. But one of the ways that I think is very, very important that a lot of people overlook is to ask your clients, ask your customers, ask your prospects. So when I first started working with my dad, one of the first lessons he taught me is if you want to sell a lot of stuff, if you want to make a lot more money, the best and easiest way to do that is to ask your prospects, ask your clients, ask your customers what they want, and then give it to them. So I think that a lot of business owners miss the mark on this. What I prefer to do, uh, we aren't able to do it with every client that we work with, but what we like to do with, with as many as we can is survey their audience. And from there, we're not just finding out what their desires are, what their fears are, what it is that they want, what it is that they don't want. We're not just finding that out, which we are too, but we're also looking for the words that they're using and how they're talking about their fears, how they're talking about their desires, how they're saying what they want, are there patterns in their languaging? And then we basically take that and we mirror it right back to them. So that's one of the things that that we do. Another thing that we do is I really think it's important to add personality into your copy because like if your copy, and I'm not just talking about the words, I'm also talking about how the words look. And so most copywriters wouldn't say this, but I actually think that the words are just as important as the design and the design is just as important of the words as the words. It's 50-50. Because if you open up an email or you go to a sales page and it looks boring, nobody's going to read it. If it looks boring, it's going to be boring. So why would we read it? So, so I like to add personality both in how it looks. We call that the copy cosmetics. Oh, I like and that. Also, yeah, my dad, I, my dad maybe made that up. We might have to pay homage to Mike Capuzzi for that one. I'm not sure. (laughs) It wasn't me. And um, also the words, the actual words themselves. And so I really think it's very important to infuse our own personality into our copy. So one of the ways that I do that is every time I sit down to write copy for myself, I pretend as if I am writing to one of my friends who would be a really great client for me if she wasn't my friend. And, um, or she could be a client too, you know, we'd love to work with her. So I write everything as if I'm writing to Carrie. So that allows me to just like relax into the process, not worry about getting everything perfect, use maybe like the slang or the abbreviations I would use with Carrie that I wouldn't necessarily use if I was trying to be all corporate and professional and at least get it down on the paper or down on the Word document or the Google document as a good starting place. And then you can go back and edit and adjust, add more personality in, take some things out that might not work. So writing as if you're writing to a friend. And then I'll give you like one more tip and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shut up. Is, <laughs> oh, I, uh, I I actually am better at writing than I am speaking. So it's funny that I have all these <laughs> things to say. But so one thing that I notice about my clients 
your listeners may or may notice this about their clients too, is most of my clients would have been the perfect client for them now years ago when they had the problem that they now solve. So for example, like we work with a lot of coaches and so we work with um, like relationship coaches. And so our relationship coaching clients like used to be really awful at relationships and dating and all that stuff. They figured out X, Y, and Z. Now they're really good at it. They teach it. And so they would have been their, their client then. So it's really important to tap into your past so that you can speak to your clients in their in their present state. So what fears did you have back then? What desires did you have back then? What would someone have had to have said to you to get you to say yes to buying the thing you're selling now back then? And that's how you can start to craft your voice. That's awesome advice. And I think it taps into your why, right? Why did you create this solution or service as a coach or consultant? You know, you, you, you went through the, you went through the journey and you're, but you forget, it's almost like trying to describe to someone how to drive a car, right? Like you just drive the car. Like you don't know, you don't remember what it was like not to know how to drive a car. So I love the idea of stepping back into your former self and saying, you know, this is how I used to feel. So what I get a lot, Mara, is uh, people come to us and they're like, well, we want we want you to brand our business and build a website. And I explain to them that really, for me, 10% of it is design. I feel like brand messaging has become even more important now because everyone can create a pretty site or a pretty email, but it's more the words because we have digital ADD and like, you've got to really find those, those nuggets that are going to stop people's scroll. Right. And it's even harder with all the distractions. So my question for you is what are some great examples that you've seen of brands doing that? Like they just have the right messaging. Is it all about taglines or positioning statements or is there more to it than that? Oh gosh. So I I really feel that so much of the messaging has to do with the story of the founder if that is applicable to the business. My my perfect example of that is if you've ever watched Shark Tank, which I'm going to assume most people who listen to this podcast have seen at least one episode of Shark Tank, right? And you see the the person pitching in the tank and man they are just Tanking, pun not intended. <laughs> I know you cringe, right? <laughs> yeah, you cringe, and you hear that like music in the back, that sad music, and like Mark Cuban's probably like, like, like getting down in his chair, making a face, right? And then all of a sudden, one of the sharks, and it's usually Barbara. Barbara will say something like, "So, tell me how you got started in this business." And the person who is up in the tank will say, "You know, well, I was living in my mom's basement, and I was having this problem, and then I invented this thing, and I figured it out, and I thought other people would like it, so I started to sell it, and I made a million dollars, and now I'm here." And then they all fall in love with this person, right? And the next thing you know, this thing turns around. They get like three offers. They're walking out the door with all this money and this great, you know, mentor. And it's because of their story and the connection that they've created through sharing their journey and how we can all relate to those ups and those downs. So excluding that story from your messaging is a really, really bad mistake. So so that's one of the things that that you could do. 
The other thing I want to talk about is like just making sure that you're really clear. So many of the websites I go to, the emails that I read, the videos that I see, I'm like, what is this person even talking about? And it's like goes over my head. And um, I'm a decently smart person. My, you know, my high school English teacher might not agree, but I think I am. I, I really want to hone in the idea of like making sure that you're really, really clear about what it is that you're talking about and getting the right words so that people understand it. And you might think that you're clear because you're so attached to your concepts and attached to your methods and your materials, but other people might not. And one really easy way to figure it out is just to ask somebody who has no idea what you do. Ask them if Show them your work, show them your copy, show them your messaging. And if they understand it and if they get it, ask them to explain it back to you. That's one way you can make sure that that you get that knocked out of the park. We write a lot of emails, like 80% of what we write in my agency is, is direct response emails. And it's really funny for me to watch like which ones work better than the other ones. Like hands down, the ones that work the best. Now, I'm not saying only write emails like this, but the ones that work the best are the ones that are like, hey, I just opened the doors on this program. Here is exactly what it is. Here's what you're going to get. Here's the price. Here's the link to buy, which still shocks me to this day. But like every single time, it just like blows the other ones out of the water. And it's because we're being clear. We're being clear. Make sure your messaging is clear and easily understood. Yeah. So that goes flies in the face of most direct response emails that I get because I see them, you know, they start out with the story and then they have a cliffhanger and then they, they keep going. You keep, it's like, just tell me what you want me to do. Like, you know, like just get to land the plane. So you, so this email is more effective then. Yeah. So actually this is a really good point. Okay. So what we need to understand is that different people buy for different reasons and they buy in different ways. Like you sound like me, like I'm the girl who's like, okay, what am I going to get? What's my ROI going to be? How much is it going to cost me? And like, where do I sign up? Right. But not everybody is like that, right? Some people need to know all of the details. Some people need to have an emotional connection or story. Some people need to know that you really get their problem. Some people just need to know that it's going to be risk-free for them, whatever it is, right? And so it's really important to mix up the messaging and the types of emails that you write. And also it's really important to mix up the length of the emails that you're writing. Um, I know that this isn't all just about emails, but like I just want to get to the details. So the shorter emails are going to catch my eye more than the longer emails. And the person who really likes to dig into the details, that longer email is going to be really attractive to them. So the moral of the story is you really need to know your client in order to write really, to them. You need to know your client, of course, but also I think it's really important to recognize that different people have different buying habits. And so if you're working on a series, you really need to make sure you're tuned into all of the buying habits. So those people that need the information, you need to provide them that information. And those people who are like me and you who just want to get, know what, like, what are we getting and how can we buy it now, have those messages that are going to catch their eye as well and mix it up so that you can really cater to your whole audience. How in this day and age do you cut through the noise? So we have so many emails. I do know that email marketing still converts. Um, and the ROI is still high, but at some point, you know, with all the distractions, 
where do you see email going and, and changing? Yeah. Oh gosh. So, you know, I hear a lot of theories about this all of the time. My dad even thinks that at some point email might be paid just like pay for a postage stamp that you may eventually have to pay per email that you send. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Here's what I do know. I still see email working right now. I, I don't think that it's going to go away, but I do think, and I do know that it is one media, one form of, of media that we can use to get our message out there. And it's best used when combined with other types of media as well. So I think it's really, really important to continue to do email marketing. And I also think it's really important to continue to do other types of marketing in conjunction with your email marketing, text message marketing, social media marketing, paid advertising, maybe even direct mail, depending upon, you know, well, first of all, we could have a debate about that. Like me and my dad debate about this, right? But like, <laughs> like depending upon your market and all sorts of stuff, like you might choose to try that and, and do that, right? I think it's really important to use it in conjunction with everything else that you've got going on. My, my father often said that it takes like 24 touches for somebody to, for the average person to make a buying decision from studies wow. that he has now, those studies are from probably about 10 years ago. My assumption, and I don't have the data on it, but my assumption is that it would probably have to be more now because we're so much more bombarded with messages and not only more messages, but bombarded in other forms of media. Like, like Facebook advertising just kind of came out 10 years ago, right? So it's like, we didn't see all these other messages at the moment. And like Instagram probably wasn't even a thing then. Right. And like, now I see Instagram ads all the time and my mind is clouded with all these advertisements. And you, if you're advertising your business are part of that. Right. And, and so I, I think it's even more important to have more touches to make sure that your audience actually knows what you're offering. So many times, like, I don't know P, if you've ever heard this before. I imagine some of your listeners may have heard this before where someone might say to them, I wish I knew you were doing that event. If I knew that you were doing that event, I would have came. Or mm-hmm. I, if I knew that you had launched that course, I would have signed up. Yeah. Right. And so the way to, to make sure that people know about it is to have more touch points and more forms of media. And so um, email is one of them. Email is very much so one of them. You've got to do the other ones too. Yeah. And I think um, some people are a little afraid that they're going to turn their, their, clients prospects off with with too many emails. But um, we just have to remember that being persistent and having the right message may not land with them the first or second time, but maybe the third time, maybe the, you, you, I have people that that will respond after two years of sending them my consistent emails. And they're like, we're ready. And I'm like, I didn't even know you were behind the scenes, like you were reading this stuff. And they're like, yep, we've been following it. So that's exactly right. And um, also, like, I think the other thing to to really know is like, this reminds me of one of one of my campaigns that I did. It's it's like actually a really good example of this. We were doing this campaign and we wanted to get 30 new clients from this campaign. And we sent out the first email, nothing happened. Sent out the second email, nothing happened. Sent third, nothing happened. Fourth email, nothing happened. My business partner at the time says to me, I think we should stop this campaign. I think we should pull it. And I said, 
I'm not ready yet. So I went in, I adjusted some of the emails and um, we kept sending them. We had a deadline and we did, we got our 30 people and, and, and partially could have been because the message wasn't right. And partially could have been because they needed to hear about it more time. It's kind of like the slot machine in Vegas, right? You keep feeding it and then you walk away one minute too soon before it's ready to, to pay out. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So let's, um, let's move back to web copy, because uh, I'd love some quick tweaks that you recommend to uh, people's business website that will convert easier. So one of the things is calls to action. I see a lot of people doing it wrong. Can you give them some tips around? So call to actions are the thing the the words and the buttons and what you want them to do first when they get to your website and so forth. Okay. Well, so I'm a big believer of moving your prospects or your traffic from your website into sales processes. So what I mean by that is if you are selling courses and coaching programs and and this type of stuff, or you're selling services, right? Then um, what you would want to do is use your website if you have one to tease your offers, your products, your programs, your services, and then move them off the site into what is commonly used in our industry, the term used in our industry into some sort of sales funnel or a sales process. So what I mean by that is you want to be really clear what those offers are so that when someone is reading through your website, they think to themselves like, gee, like this could be for me, right? And I want to learn more about it. And then you get them into the sales process. So when it comes to like the the buttons, I mean, what works for you might not work for me and what works for me might not work for you. At the end of the day, you've got to test it. But I think it's important, like buttons need to be colorful. They need to stand out. They need to have clear words where people know that they actually have to click on them. So um, oftentimes, oh, my buttons, I'll actually click here to join, right? Or click here to sign up because while while we might know it's a button, they might not know it's a button. (laughs) Yeah, it's surprising how much you actually like have to tell them exactly what to do. One of the things that I've noticed is people just have get in touch or let's get started or learn more. I'm like, that's not specific enough. Like they're not going to, they're not going to click on the button unless you tell them exactly what to expect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So those would be some of my tips about it. I would use the web, the website to really funnel your audience into your sales processes. I think that's the most important. I tend not to really sell on on websites. We just want to use it as a tool to move people forward. So on your webpage, there's different calls of action, calls to action like book a discovery or buy this course or whatever that is. But people who aren't ready, what kind of language is helpful to the viewer? If they're not ready to buy or sign up for a discovery call, what would be some other uh, language that you would use? to get them into your funnel. I know there's lead magnets, there's opt-ins and so forth, but what do you see working really well right now? Well, I think the opt-in is not dead by any means. I, I use it and um, 
and you know funnel traffic through there and then get them into my offers and things like that. And we create many of those for our clients as well. I do think that it's also it's always really important to have that like let's consider it like a taste test, right? Like that's what a lead magnet is. For the business owner, it's something to bring the leads in, but for the person who the prospect, for them it's a taste test, right? To to get to know you, which is really important when you think about it in that way, because I'm sure you've seen this too. Like, have you ever opted in for a lead magnet and it just sucks? Like, it's yes. so bad. And you get so right? mad. <laughs> right. And you're like, I didn't even really get what I signed up for. And like, I definitely am not interested in working with this person now. If like, they can't even deliver on this free little thing. Right. So I think it's really important to make that lead magnet really, really, really good as the taste test so that when your prospect goes through it, they're like, wow, this person can help me. This is the woman or this is the man that I need to talk to to help me solve my problem. That's the point of it. And so if they're not yet ready for the for the sales call at that point or whatever is the the bigger thing is at that point, they might be ready for that. And that might warm them up a bit. And if you do a good job of, of having the right marketing and, and multi types of media to bring them to the next step from there, I think that's important for you to have because people need that taste test. I need that taste test, you know, like. Well, they're, they're kind of gun shy with it uh, because a lot of people have been burned, um, just the nature of the beast. So. I read an article this week, I think, that you put out called the, well, it was about the situation explanation. Can you tell our audience what that means, situation explanation? I thought it was really interesting. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I hear a lot of business owners feeling either frustrated that they have to compete in a marketplace where there's a lot of jaded consumers who have been burned in the past and now have those thoughts about um, potentially working with them or business owners who want to be really careful about making sure that nobody thinks they're like a money honey, a money hungry scam artist. Right. And so there's a technique that we use. I call it the situation explanation. And what that means is that you want to explain everything, explain the situation around everything. Why, 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 why? Why are you offering a discount? Why are the doors closing? Um, Why are you the best at this compared to everybody else? Why are you giving these bonuses to me for free? Why is this sales call or this strategy call free? Why, 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 why? Because what you want to do is bust this objection before it even happens. And this objection is different than the like, oh, I don't have the money or I don't have the time. This objection is like, I don't trust you because I've been burned before or my friend was burned before. And so you you just bring it up, right? You just talk about it. You just have a conversation about it in your copywriting and you explain why. And that's the situation explanation. It will set you apart from the other ones that don't explain it at all and leave those open loops in their prospect's mind of like, is this person legit? Or are they just going to take me for a ride? Yeah, no, I love that. I'm going to start doing it um, in some of our messaging as well, because it's a really good concept because you're, you're mimicking what your prospect already feels like, well, why is this? This sounds too good to be true. Like, why are you doing this? Yeah, that's great. So any other tips on web copy that 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 makes it easier for a prospect to 
to say, hell yeah, I want to take the next step. Yeah. Um, so we talked about being really clear in your work. We talked about being um, really clear about telling your your uh, prospect what to do. Click here, what to do. Another thing that I really like to do is explain what is going to happen in the sales process. And I learned this from one of my copywriting buddies. His name is John Benson. And um, I've taken a lot of his courses and his coaching. And um, he's got he's got great material as well. And so he teaches how to write video sales letters. And in the video sales letters, he talks about how you should explain how the checkout process works so that there's no confusion or questions or open loops that come up in your prospect's mind that make them think it's dangerous to check out and then they will bounce. So I've taken that concept and I apply it in other promotions that I do outside of video sales letters. So one of them could be like, let's say you have um, a sales sequence set up to book a strategy call or a console call or a sales call you want to be really clear about what's going to happen in that process. So when you click this button, you're going to be taken to my calendar where you're going to schedule a time that works good for your calendar where we're going to chat. And then I'm going to ask you to fill out some questions so you can tell me about your business or your problem or whatever that is, just so that I'm prepared for our call and I can really show up and give you my best. And if for whatever reason, when I look at those questions, I don't think I'm the best fit to help you. I will email you right away and give you a recommendation of someone that I know that they can. Like that would be an example of that. I love that. And then and then I just know, yeah. you know, and then you just know. Yeah. It's like when you go visit a doctor, you know, the nurse will say, okay, the doctor's going to come in take, you know, I'm going to take your vital. Like you just, it, I think when you're in your business for so long, you forget what it's like to be a client of yours. Like, mm-hmm. so we're in the middle of redesigning my website and I even have questions and I'm running the show. So it's like, I have this new empathy for my clients because it is such a process and, and I know what's coming, but I can imagine the overwhelm of someone coming to this project. That's, you know, super, there's a lot of steps, a lot of process. So I love that idea of just like, okay, here's the milestone. Here's what you can expect and being just, just being totally honest. So I love that. Any other tips? Me too. Oh gosh. So, um, you know, when it comes to those types of pages as well, where you're moving somebody into a, like a consult or a strategy call, most times, though I'm not doing this for myself to be really, really vulnerable about it, most times I, um, I, I really prefer if there's a video on that page. So where you are sharing about your story, like I, like I told you um, about before when we talked about the Shark Tank scenario, if you go to my page, you'll read my story. You know, I like to hide behind the computer. <laughs> <laughs> but you're such a good storyteller, though. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But but if, if you can pull it out of yourself to not do that, um, then um, I would really recommend doing a video and, and sharing that and um, creating that connection and that engagement there. And so add a video to your page, pretty much most of the pages like that, that we write in our agency, we also write a video script for our clients. That's great. So you do work with clients on their video script as well. 
not just yeah. on email. Okay, great. Sure. Sales pages, scripts, Facebook ads, you name it. And I know everyone loves a good swipe file. So I know you have one on your website, right? What is, can you tell the audience a little bit about what it is and how they can get their hands on it? Yeah, awesome. Thank you. So what I've done is I've put together eight of my very best email templates that you can take and edit up for your business and then send them out to help you book more sales calls for your company. And so there are emails that have worked for me or for clients that we have permission to use. And you can just edit them up, add your own twist to it and and, and send them out. There was this one gal that um, she heard about on a podcast just like this, the same, very same day. She did just that. And she booked a high ticket client the next day after that, just from using one of those emails. So all you have to do is go to maraglazer.com forward slash swipe my templates, I believe is the link maraglazer.com forward slash swipe. My and we'll templates. have it in the notes, the show notes too. Awesome. And then you can just go grab those and, um, and, and use them. I hope you use them. And then let me know how many client calls you booked and how many clients yeah. you closed from them. Yeah, and I'm actually going to use some of them. Yes, yes, please do. There's even an email in there. If you don't have an email list, if you're watching this, you don't have an email list, there is an email in there for you with a little bit of backstory about how you can use it. Okay, great. On a personal note, we have a mutual friend, Ashley, and she said, you've got to go to St. Pete and check it out. So you live in St. Pete, Florida, right? Yeah, I live right downtown in the heart of St. Pete, Florida. Yeah, yeah so we're awesome. kind of neighbors yeah. now because we just, uh, we bought a home in Sarasota. So we're going to have to meet oh, up yeah. live. Yeah, so we're gonna have to meet up live and, and chat more uh, about what you're up to. But I really appreciate your time. Yeah, I think this was great. Yeah. Where can people find you besides maraglazer.com are you on any particular social channel more than others i have instagram and i have facebook and you can search maraglazer and find me honestly i more so use it for my friends yeah i really i really do i really am that like typical copywriter where i really just like to hide behind my computer i love to write on a rainy night with like a candle and a glass of wine like i am that person yeah, so. yeah. If you want to see pictures of my dog or my morning runs or me, <laughs> but like, look good because I finally got dressed that one day, then you can go follow me on Instagram. <laughs> oh my gosh. The truth comes out. You've heard it here. <laughs> well, thank, it was such a pleasure interviewing you and thank you for your tips. I really appreciate it. Um, and we'll have to do part two uh, later on this year. I would love that. And I come to Sarasota sometimes too. My Orioles, I'm like, I really should not say that I'm an Orioles fan. They're not so good. But their um, preseason pre games are down there in Sarasota. So I like to go. I'm a big baseball fan. So um, during the season, I'm also down there. And awesome. Drive well, I'll let you know when we're in town then. All right. Please go. Thank you. All right. Talk Thank you. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Make Your Marketing Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website for show notes and additional episodes at makeyourmarketingpodcast.com. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and please consider rating and reviewing. This helps other potential listeners find us and share the goodies with them. And by the way, 
You can also email me because I'd love to hear from you. Email me at pia at fingerprintmarketing.com with feedback, questions, a topic, anything that you want to chat about. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.